0: Radio يو يشير من مخنخ
1: Hello, men, welcome to another edition of Parsha Talk. I'm Rabbi Elliot Malamit, Highland Park, New Jersey, at the Highland Park Conservative Temple congregation. On Shemenna. and joining me are my good friends, Rabbi Barry Chesler, Solomon Schechter Day School, in Long Island, Rabbi Jeremy Kamanowski, Anshay Chesed in New York. We want to start off and, and offer our Tanchumim, our condolences to our good friend Rabbi David Wise. Rabbi David Wise on the passing of his mother uh, this past week. Um, Rabbi David Wise of course was one of the original parsha talkers you know way way back in the uh, when we when we rotated through and uh, of course uh, at Rama many many summers and we we're just uh, sending to him and to his family condolences a we've talked about the the message of condolence uh, in in previous uh, editions here we, we say may you be comforted among the mourners of Zion and Jerusalem and the mourners of the house of Israel, and may you have comfort from uh, from heaven as well. And um, uh, we want to <coughs> say this is Barry Chesler's Bar Mitzvah Parsha. Amir 54 years ago. Elisheva Malamit's but Mitzvah Parsha also. And Carol's
2: in this portion too.
1: Okay, there you go. So we have a lot of we have a lot of uh, affinity to this parsha. It happens to be an amazing parsha because they're all amazing. Uh, we but this one. This
0: one's really amazing. This <laughs> one's really amazing.
1: It starts with an amazing scene, and and the amazing scene is that Jacob is running away. In in those words, right, six words, we have a complete compression of a whole journey. Um, and, and, of course, it, it invites the imagination, and it invites a homiletical imagination. I'm just wanting to turn to you, Barry, if you could share with us uh, one of your favorite divrei Torah on this, uh, quoted in, in Rashi. Go ahead.
2: So what Rashi writes is, tov Yaakov it didn't have to mention that he left Be'er Shabbat. And so Rashi continues, his why does it mention where he left from? That when a tzaddik leaves a place, it makes an impression. While he's in a place, he has his beauty, its splendor, its glory. And when he leaves, that goes with him. And I like to use this in the senior minion, which I've had the, uh, I guess, privilege to uh, staff for many years because the seniors are on their way out of high school. And I invite them to think about what kind of impression they want to leave when they're gone, and alternatively, what do they want to take with them from the school? And this provides a nice uh, counterpoint to Yaakov, who is, you know, taking a journey that is fraught with many difficulties. And, um, you know, we hope that he will go and come back as a tzaddik. So,
1: he, the, Rashi imagines him as a tzaddik right now, okay? Yeah. So, I mean. If you had a, a a precocious kid in your class, they would ask, you know, what what some of my kargans ask me all the time: how could you refer to him as a tzaddik, right? And and maybe there's a you know a sense of a discord in in the in the way that the Torah presents him and in the way that the rabbis have him in, in their imagination. so I
2: I think one of the things that we overlook sometimes is that in classical Judaism it, it exists in a kind of timelessness hmm. that in our lives. Is characterized by aging, at least for the two of you, I can see. Um, you know, we get older and we develop, we mature, and, you know, one day we will depart like Yaakov had Tzadik, But the Torah kind of imagines everything happening in the present. So when Rashi says Jacob is a Tzadik, he's not referring to Jacob on the road then. He's referring to the Jacob that we come to know as the last of the three patriarchs, as if. That's who he always was.
1: So interesting, you know. I think yeah, I think that,
0: yeah, <laughs> I think that um, you know, in in a sense, when you read the Torah, you um, you're reading a book, and then there's a sense in which you are reading Judaism. So, I my personal favorite, as we discussed in the past, my personal personal favorite commentator is Rah- Ramban the Nachmanides, and Rashi quotes. Pretty comments pretty much on every verse. Ibn Ezra comments pretty much on every verse. Ramban, like maybe 33%, but he writes longer. And and I realized at a certain point that his, his text is not the Bible text. His text is Judaism. And he's interested not only in explaining a given verse, uh, he, he's telling a story about what it's like to be a Jew, what Jews should care about, what our values should be. And so if you read the story about Jacob, there's lots of things about him that give you pause his his deception his treatment of asap and by the way that's just not not just a modern reading you know jeremiah uh in in jeremiah chapter nine he's got the great uh nobody should trust their brother because every brother uh twists and betrays and every brother jacobs so the Bible itself expresses the the distress with Jacob's trickiness. Um, if you read an individual story, you can say this guy's not exciting. He's like a, a, a grasping, greedy, untrustworthy, uh n- not very nice person. And there may be other things about his relationship with his children or or whatever. But if you if your text is Judaism, he's Jacob Avinu. You
1: okay, know? So let, uh, let me react to you know, both of you and 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 say that that. I, I I want to take the word tzaddik and just you know change it for a second, which is here is a larger than life character, or here's a here's a a person who who ha- is a personality in that in that world, and 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 his departure creates a vacuum, and maybe that's Rashi is intimating that the vayetze is that there's a vacuum that's created, and you know I'm thinking about this, you know. You know, in, in both homiletical and personal ways, you know, when, when you depart from your parental home uh, the, the, the most, the tenderest moment that, that you have in a, in a visit is departure. Right. And, and, you know, I'm sure many people watching this, listening to this and and maybe the three of us have experienced, you know, the, you get into, you know, we get into the car and and you wave and, and it's goodbye. And then I mean, I have this experience when my kids leave and you know, you 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 wave and you go back into your home and there's a moment of emptiness, a moment of vacuum. So we have to really understand by it's Yaakov and really kind of augment the, the feeling of, of emptiness here.
2: Right. But there's also an important point to add here, and it's significant that Yaakov leaves from beersheba because Beersheba is associated with Yitzchak, who spent time in Beersheba, and with Abraham, so this is the kind of ancestral home of the patriarchs. And Jacob is not only going on his own journey, but he's continuing the journey of
1: Abraham and Yitzchak as well. Interesting. So, so you know, this that makes what 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 I'm saying, Kalvachomer, all the more you know intense because he's leaving the ancestral three generational home. It's imagine you know. Like, like these immigrant neighborhoods, you know, where, where your, your father, your grandfather, your, your parents, your grandparents are living and you're, and you depart for, I don't know, college, right. <laughs> and, and it, you're not going to be the same. That's the point. And, and you're leaving a vacuum and, you know, you split the screen here in this moment and it's Jacob and it's the parents. And, and what a, what a, what a, Anguish it is because Jacob's got nothing. He's got nothing to to show for himself here. And he's leaving behind, you know, two parents who are who are practically bereft. I mean, she thinks of herself as a bereaved mother already, Rebecca. and uh, you know, from last week's part, she said, Am I gonna lose both of you on the same day? You know, and and um there there's you anguish know. There. You, know,
0: you know, I, I generally um I mean, that's quite rich on a personal level i generally feel in, in in somewhat contradistinction that that the torah works best not with characters in their personal lives um in the way that we're talking about now and and works works best on the like the level of mythic situations wow. so i want to throw in one homiletical uh, turn from the mystical tradition from the zohar which i think is just fabulously brilliant and and is also reflected in the midrash because haran where he's headed is is mesopotamia it's outside the land of israel it's it's where they came from before they reached the promised land yeah. and so part of what's going on in this story is that he's reaching the border of eretz yisrael the land of israel and he's he's passing into you know the world out there and you know it says the malachi elohim olimvi or dimbo the the angels are ascending and descending the ladder at, often traditionally read as the Eretz Yisrael angels are going back to heaven and the the new, you know, outside the land angels are going to come to accompany him in the next stage of his journey. Mm -hmm. So to get this next little homiletical piece, um, you have to know that uh, in Aramaic, haran means the other one, acher, it's the other one. And in in Kabbalah, especially that sense of um, the sitra achra, the quote, the other side the the demonic in the world so jacob leaves the well of the seven which is taken to be the seven lower spirit this is the realm of god this is the realm of order this is the realm of goodness and he goes towards the other side um, he goes towards what's out there what's different what is not the realm of the divine He's 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 having an encounter with evil uh, which is a which is a rich story because he's about to go to Lavon's house and Lavon is sneaky and scary and and so I I think that at some level what's going on uh, in the hero's journey kind kind of story about Jacob which is going to involve him having to go out to to the other land him having to deal with this major conflict with with Lavon and his family and all the problems with. His own wives, children, and then he's gonna to have to come back and at that borderline again, when he's gonna to come to this borderline again, 21 years later, he's gonna have this Titanic wrestling with the dark forces, with the with the wrestling with himself or wrestling with the angel, or whatever. We'll talk about that next week. Yeah. But uh to me, one of the things that gives this story its power is that is that kind of mythic dimension of leaving safe place and going into scary place.
2: Right. So I would just add here, there's something of a theological conundrum here because God at this point is really associated with a certain geography, with a certain space. We don't have the universal God that will appear in um, 2nd Isaiah, a God over the entire world. And it's worth thinking for a moment about how Jacob's journey is bracketed. When he leaves, just before he leaves the land, he has this great vision of the latter, later taken over by United Synagogue for its own purposes. And when he comes back, he's going to have, just before he enters, a wrestling match. And this, I think, heightens what you were talking about, the, the conflict, Jeremy, with the other. But it also suggests how difficult it is to navigate the world because you're not quite sure where you're leaving or where you're coming home to, and something is going to happen, and it's going to take you quite a while to be able to unpack it. I mean, we still talk about these two events thousands of years later.
1: Look, I, you know, I love listening to both of you on this because you, you've, you've given such rich myth, mythology and allegory, and and I'm stuck. I'm I'm, <laughs> just, I'm and I you know one of the themes that I've been thinking about this year is how you know, and you've said it to me before. It's, it's like you know we're all committed to our own interpretations and 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 you know as much as i want to go there i want to i want to kind of doff in with you and i want to kind of close my eyes and i want to you know walk in the streets of manhattan and and smell all of the you know
0: it's disgusting you don't want that, I'm telling and,
1: don't want to do that. and drink a couple you know a glass of wine and then get to the place where it's really it's it's not what it's saying here it's the the remis of this the hint of this the 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 deep mythology. And here I am, I'm thinking, here's a guy who who whose life has collapsed. He's got nothing. And he's leaving. And and that that's enough, you know, in terms of in terms of an imagine And of course, it, there, you know, I'm very attentive to to the notion of the boundary, that he's leaving the boundary of the land and 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 he's stepping across <laughs> into a different place. And and it's the inversion of of Abraham coming and all that, and 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 that's the great literary arc of, of 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 the Torah. But there's a profound human drama going on here, which I know you're attentive to, you know, and you just fleshed out, of course, the the you know the the, the broader echoes of it in 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 the tradition. Let's go to the dream and let's, let's the sulam because the same thing happens with the sulam, the sulam which we translate, you know, based on. I think our modern Hebrew, but it's also way back, also in in, in medieval and and Mishnaic Hebrew. Sulam we tend to translate as ladder, but it's all it can mean a lot of different things. And and so part of what what happens in our interpretation here is we have this imagery of of an actual ladder of angels going up and down, and then there's the other idea that that it's a a ziggurat like this this Babylonian place. That's you you read people like Nahum Sarna, he talks about that, and then. There's this. There is a, a lovely midrash that says that it's actually he's imagining the the mizbeach. It's it's gorgeous, and and so the 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 malachim are not angels, but they're kohanim. The midrash says kohen kohen gadol, but but it's a bunch of kohanim going up and down, and uh, they're bringing the pieces of well in in the dream they don't have anything. They're they're empty handed. I think that that's also. Incredibly, you know, uh, evocative because he's he's got nothing, right? And what is you know so in the so I'm going to give an interpretation based on the midrash that he's dreaming of the mizbeach, and translate
0: explain a little
1: bit more. He's he's dreaming of the altar that's in the temple that has a ramp that the kohanim, the priests, are going up and down on, and they're bringing pieces of of um, the animals that they're being slaughtered, except for the fact that in the dream. They're, they have nothing there's nothing that they're bringing here okay so I'm gonna I want to tee this up for you to give me the alternate explanations which with some of which you already touched on you know that that no this is not the altar this is something else going on well the
0: first the, no. uh, the, the the altar is 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 great but let's just note that you're on our side of the Mythic or homespun divide, right? Because the 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 mythic the mythic claim is that you know as as uh, as we all know, and our readers may be interested to know, our listeners may be interested to know that that. One of the, the very, very present themes in Rabbinic Midrash is that there is a Beit HaMikdash Shalmata, an uh, earthly okay, temple, okay. And a Beit HaMikdash Shalmala, a heavenly temple, and that there are certain nexus points, and this would appear to be like that as an next one. I think one of the reasons why that's a great Midrash is that it partakes of that theme and that we are at Einzakim Beit Elohim V'zesha shamayim This is none other than the house of God and the and the gateway you know, the, which heaven and earth interpenetrate. But I, I also, I'm going to go with a, di- a slightly different of the great midrashic traditions is mm-hmm. that the, the divine angels were going up and down on him. And he is, the human being is, Jacob himself is the latter. And and that line about, um, uh, that he sees, that magia hashamayma that, that his, the base of it is on earth and the top of it reaches towards heaven um, is a pretty great description of the human being created in the image of God, both fully earthly and with the ability to reach towards heaven. I, I just find I find that a pretty, so, a pretty powerful motif.
2: What's worth thinking about here is you mentioned the ziggurat before, um, Elliot, and that resonates with the Tower of Babel, Yeah, which also was something that was supposed to reach to heaven. And what we're left with at the end of the story of the Tower of Babel was confusion. But here we only have one person. And maybe it suggests that Jacob himself is confused, and that might explain his curious remark when he wakes up that God was in this place, and I, in um I can't remember his name offhand, Lawrence. Uh, Kushner, yeah. Kushner's great interpretation, I did not know that Jacob finds out something about himself as a result of this this dream vision. And what does he find out? So here, just for a moment, think about which Jacob is at at Betel. Is it the Jacob who's fleeing for his life because essentially he screwed over his brother? Or is it the Jacob who in an act of filial piety is going back to the ancestral homeland to find a kosher wife for himself? And Jacob himself isn't quite sure why he's going. Is he going because he's fearful or is he going to fulfill his destiny as his father did before him, by going to the ancestral homeland for a spouse? And we're left with this idea that Jacob finds in Beit El a confirmation that God will be with him wherever he goes. He left home, and I think we can, are invited to think that he thought he left God as well. But now well, God has come to confirm for him that God will be with him. And, of course, David then does the transactional thing, which he's so well known for.
1: <laughs> okay, so we'll talk about that in a second. But, but uh, you know, so God does appear to him in a dream. We, we've, we've established, the, you know, the, the imagery of the dream, which we're not going to go more into. And <laughs> and God promises, An, so first, a, abraham, the Lord God of God of your Abraham, your father Elohe Yitzchak. God of your father Isaac, Elohe Yitzchak. Just God of Isaac. Haretz Asher Ata Shulchev Alea, the land that you are lying on, I'm giving it to you and to your offspring. Vayazarecha kaafarares, your seed will be like the sand of the dust of the land. Ufaratz da yama v'kedma v'tzafona you're going to explode, expand to the west, to the east, to the north, and to the south. And and through you, all of the families of the world will be blessed. I'm going to be with you, as you said. I'm going to guard you with everything, in every way that you go. I will bring you back to this land. Okay. And so it says, and then I will not abandon you. But he cuts Yaakov, he wakes up. So again, I want to I want to leap into his imagination. And you're saying uh, that this is a reassurance, and I, I, I want to go there for a second, which is the the sense of is he worthy to receive this? Does he know that he, he's already received his father's blessing, right? And he's already re- but the 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 blessing that Isaac gave him was not fleshed out really. The, what does he sense of himself and does he have confidence and does he does is god here excusing his behavior because you know people can read this and say look you know he just stole two things from his brother and what now he's getting rewarded what's what's how do you how do you relate to this moment and how would you relate to it if you were him
2: well that's a good one for you jeremy <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean
0: you know whatever i'm going to repeat what i said before which is that uh in seen through the lens of judaism not necessarily through the lens of you know genesis chapter 27 or whatever the scene was where he steals the blessing um yaakov is the character who does something really incredible totally amazing uh he hits at the right place in a magic moment and discovers realms of religious spiritual meaning re- discovers the realms of truth that he could not have guessed at is beyond his capacity for for recognition and he wakes up and says you know I didn't even I didn't even understand that there was God in this place and now look what I've just been revealed so does he does he deserve this blessing yes if you read the story, first of all, I do think it is possible, not just possible, I think it is It is also part of the story that Asaph is an oath, that Asaph is an unworthy inheritor, and that Rivka saw it and saw it and, and, and engineered it such that Jacob becomes the official inheritor, and that that's basically a good thing because of his generally good qualities. But also, if you read it through the story of his deception, then no, then God should say, listen, you punk, don't, uh, you know, go back home and apologize and and make your mistakes right, but that's not the story that Judaism is telling. Judaism is the story that is telling that Yaakov is the third link in the chain. Uh, that mystical Judaism says Yaakov is the balance of all that is best about Abraham and Isaac, and and funnels that into blessing in the world. And so, I think Jacob, as as Judaism portrays him, is uh, is the people of Israel writ large who deserve this blessing. Yes,
1: I think there's there's. God is indebted to Abraham also, and so and so it's it Abraham looms large here in in some way, you know, to because uh, there's just such extraordinariness, and 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 God has made a promise, and God is going to fulfill the promise, and it's and this is the way human beings have have partnered with God to to make this promise come come to fruition, and and regardless of his moral bearing right now. Uh, Things are moving in that direction. It, 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 there, there are forces that are beyond him that are pushing him, and that are forces going to, beyond yeah. him. Forces yeah, forces beyond him. Absolutely right. Yes. So, but there's also um
2: perhaps something else going on here because when he leaves home, I think that it has to cross his mind either as a thought or perhaps as a belief that he's not going to see his parents again. Yeah. So when God comes and says, "I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, I am with you." That provides a tremendous assurance, and you know, as I said before, a confirmation because the earthly ancestors are going to pass from the scene, but their God will be with me, I and think, that will allow the promise to unfold.
0: Look Can good, I throw you, one, you, one additional thing well, in there: first of all, um, if I'm not mistaken, you know, we talked about this in the past. If you if you looked up all the dates, if you calculate all the dates based on the years that people are alive, once once it turns from Yitzchak, we don't hear from Yitzchak again. We 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 don't turn back, tell any more stories about Yitzchak. But but I think that if you calculate the dates of Isaac, who's going to live to 180, uh, I'm pretty sure that he will overlap with him again. Oh, well, for
2: sure. No, and they bury him, don't they? There's a scene where. Yes, well, but the question is whether he sees him alive.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. But one more thing, which is that you know, there, there's another character who is like Jacob in this respect, uh, and it's it, it's it, probably the the single character gets the Tanakh's most attention, and in, in the way that Yaakov gets Genesis is mo- most attention, is King David, David HaMelech. David HaMelech is similarly, as Elliot you said before, a, a character just larger than life. David HaMelech is prodigiously talented, incredibly lovable, capable of terrible behavior, and his greatness and his and his his great spots are so great, his dark spots are so dark. And that's somewhat true of, of Yaakov Avinu as well. Great, great, great capacities. He, he goes to the well. He sees, sees Rachel and his love at first sight. He works so hard. He's, he has a magic touch. He succeeds at everything that he does. They'll be passed on to his son Yosef. Um, you know, and capable of like really bad behavior, and sort of we we love him in his in his greatness and his sneakiness and his nastiness and his, you know, his, the awesome you know the, the power of his great qualities is matched by the power of his capacity to fail.
1: So back to the promise there, kilo I will not abandon you. And and Jeremy, I want to pick up on on you know the theme here that you've been saying, which is that there's something larger in Judaism here, that that. You, you're reading, you know, I, well, I can read on on, on on the narrow level, the micro level, you know, the personal, you know, the character level. You're reading the, the larger mythic level, which is there's a, a a greater narrative here of God and the Jewish people. And so would you concur on the Zavcha here as putting the hint into the biblical reader, the us, that this is also a great thing that god is not going to abandon us you know totally totally very, very good uh and that of course is you know you know it, it the, the the great trauma that we've talked about in the past you know that comes out at the end of the torah is is that the, there is a possibility that god in fact will abandon i think that you know even the thought of that is is what what triggers the the a whole set of crises um, among among people.
2: So it might be worth thinking for a moment about how this works in terms of uh, the narrative suite, because, you know, emunah or faith originally was trustworthiness. And I think what we could say about God in Breshit is that God is trustworthy. Yeah. He makes promises and he delivers. In the life of the nation, that's not always going to be felt. The people are going to experience both willfully and not the abandonment of God. And what they'll have to hold on to is the fulfillment of the promise made to the patriarchs. And somehow that has to restore in them their trust in God, because God is going to become less reliable as the Torah goes on, not more reliable.
1: I know there's so much in the parsha that, that we 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 unfortunately are not going to be able to get to. According, you know, like the, the birth of all the tribes, etc. And you know, for, for better or worse, we're 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 stuck here. So let's yeah. let's 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 end with the coda. It's a, of it's a good place to be stuck. It is a good place. to go. The coda of the story, and, and you mentioned, I think Barry, mentioned it just before, which is like, so he he he's he's always making deals, and here he's making a deal with God. And that you know he he gets up he anoints he he, he has a, a flask of oil or a, a a skin of oil with him, and he pours it on the stone that he's lying on on his pillow. But uh, you Al he anoints it. By uh, and, and he calls the place Betel, Luz Shema It was formerly named Luz. And he makes a vow there. And the vow is if you've got it, if in fact God is with me, Ushmarani and guards me on the way, Asherani Holech, that I'm going. Then he gives me bread to eat and clothing to wear, and gets me back in peace to my father's house. Elohim, God will be my God. This stone that I've made as a as a a, a, a monument will be the temple. Everything that he gives me, I'm going to tithe. So you're saying then that that's his deal. And you're, you're seeing in, in that the possibility of a certain chutzpah, I don't know. And I want to say, I, you know, maybe there's possibility that he he's empty. He's got nothing. You know, look, every time his father or his grandfather Heard from God in a vision or in a speech or whatever. They built an altar. They took a sheep. They put it on the thing. They sacrificed or or they called out. He's got nothing. He's got, he's and he so, and later on he'll refer he'll refer back to this. He said, "I left with my staff, and now I you now I have a family." He so, is aware of himself as nothing.
2: So what I would offer a slightly different reading that Jacob comes across as a businessman. Um, maybe not unlike the uh, Hyman Roth character in Godfather 2, one of the great characters, but he's a businessman. And also he fancies himself more or less as a self-made man, right? He works for everything. He's going to spend 20 years with Levon. He's going to spend 17 years in Egypt. I'm um, at the end of his life a few weeks from now. And, you know, we get the idea that, Abraham didn't really work for what he got. It was kind of bestowed upon him. And Isaac, in a sense, inherits Abraham's wealth. But Jacob doesn't just, he starts with nothing, but he makes something of himself, something that I think neither his father nor his grandfather were able to do, in part because it wasn't necessary for them to do. But Jacob forges his own identity, and I think he deserves a great deal of credit for that. He deserves it, and 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 he
1: loses out on many things, and he's crushed. And- well, he loses, but it becomes Beidale, so it's okay. <laughs> no,
2: but <laughs> no, I just want to point out one
0: thing, which which Go is, uh, you know, the our listeners uh, probably know this or know this at some level. You know, we have 54, I think, weekly partial or whatever it is um, in the course of a year, and that's the Babylonian... Uh, one-year annual Torah cycle, but in, in Eretz Yisrael, in the ancient times, they they read much shorter Parshiot, and they you would complete the Torah over three years. So there's a way in which the the, the breaking of Parshiot that we have, the, such and such as Parshat Vayetzeh, and such and such begins Parshat Vayishlach, is like arbitrary. That's what they did in Babylonia, but they did something else in, in the land of Israel, and they could have done something else yet again, and and it's only the accidents of history that we, we broke out the way we did. But... I really there's something about this parasha which is so tightly constructed. It's just beautiful. Everything that we just said. Jacob starts off. He's crossing. He's crossing into Mesopotamia. um, He's crossing out of the land of Israel. And he sets. And he has this stone. And he sets up this this matzeva. And at the very very end of the parasha, he comes back 21 years later. He comes back with with uh, you know two wives and two concubines. He's got four. For wife-ish people, and he's got all the children, and he's got the conflict with Levon, and Levon chases him back down. His father-in-law chases him back down. Says you stole my, you stole all my children. Jacob says, well, "Actually, they're my children." Um, let's make a pact. We're gonna, we're gonna divide. You stay on that side. I'll stay on this side. And they make another pillar. Yeah. And they make, they make uh, another witness. Another uh, that also uses this word, matzeva uh, and and ed witness, and. Uh, and so it is this is an incredibly well constructed parasha of this is the story of when jacob left the land of israel and when he re- and concludes when he returns back to the land of israel and crosses the border and and that end passage has this very cool thing which is the only use of aramaic in the torah itself jacob builds the pillar of witness gal ed Gal Ed, that's what it means, the pillar of witness, the, the stone the stone pillar to be the witness of his agreement with Lavan. And Lavan ca- calls it Yagar Sahaduta, which is Gal Ed in Aramaic. So you have this really cool little, so, so to speak, ancient linguistic artifact that that it's, shows up here in so Genesis, deep. only time in the whole
1: Torah. Basically, no, what, what you have there is the literary construction of boundary, because it's not only... Geographical boundary, its ethnic boundary, and its linguistic boundary. Um, right. And yeah, go ahead.
2: From beginning to end of the partial, what we could say is Jacob rocks. He
1: exactly. does. Jacob just
0: rocks the house. And you, you, Barry Chester, are Yaakov, and I am Yaakov. And I'm Yitzchak. So. And you are Yitzchak. So. <laughs> we we so owe there. so much to you. And your son is Yaakov. This
1: there is a little The Yaakov. You know, did you know that? My father was Avraham. I'm Yitzchak and, and my son is Yaakov. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Anyway, wow. We have so much more to talk about. We, I, mean, we, I feel like we, we scratched the surface, but we, we went very deep too. So uh, thank you to our viewers, our listeners, we, we want to give you shout-outs to all the people that are writing in to us, and uh, we really appreciate your comments. Keep them coming, uh, and, and just thank you for spending the time with us joining join Torah together. We look forward to seeing you again on the next edition of Partial Talk. Now, Shabbat Shalom.